When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing in endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner. And I'm Sarah Wassner Flynn, your co-host, Dimity. How are you today? I am good, but I think you should say, Sarah, I'm Sarah Wassner Flynn, Boston qualifier. I think that's just, I think that's how you sign your checks from now on. I think that's how you have your kids (laughs) address you. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was scrolling through Instagram today and I saw somebody with a, um, just like popped up on my feed and the, the tank top she was wearing said, Boston, like, mother bad word qualifier. And I was like, Ooh, I like that. Maybe I need to order that for myself, (laughs) but I will never wear it because I keep very fast company. And, you know, a lot of people I, I run with or have, have been there, done that with Boston, but I think I'd wear it around the house for sure. Yeah. And then anytime your kids are like mean to you, you can be like, well, yeah, you need to pick up your room because I qualified for Boston, you know, like, yeah. it's kind of, you know, like toss it around in casual conversation. Yeah. But all, all jokes aside, how, how are you feeling? I mean, it's been what, has it been two weeks since the marathon or more Well, it's going that? on three weeks now, you know, oh, so it okay. feels like it was forever ago by now. Um, it's, I was just saying this to a friend. I had coffee this morning with him and I said, you know, you do this marathon. It's, it's such a, for somebody for, like me who hasn't done one in, you know, 20 something years, it's like a big deal. You build it in your head and and it's like all roads point to the marathon and then you do it. And then it's like, okay, now what? And now it feels like, well, that wasn't such a big deal. Maybe I should do another one. So I'm kind of eyeing maybe a spring marathon. I'm most definitely going to do a half marathon in December. Okay. And then depending on how that goes, I might do another one in the spring. So I think I've drank the Kool-Aid. I think you have. I think you have. Well, yeah. and your body's feeling good and like no, yeah. nothing like uh, that's lingering, I guess. 
No, nothing lingering. The, the soreness really only lasted a few days. And then I got into this like strength kick and I was much more sore after doing like 50 squats one morning than I was. <laughs> it was really sad. I was like, oh, I, I know what I need to work on now. Definitely some glute strength there. But yeah, everything's good. And the weather here on the East Coast in Maryland is really, really unbeatable right now. It's like the perfect, perfect running weather. Yeah. So after training all summer long in the heat and humidity, like this is our gift from the weather guys. And so, yeah, so I've been enjoying runs and thinking about getting a little bit faster and just, you know, going out and having fun and not having a training plan, which has been very nice and refreshing. So agreed. Agreed. Well, it's great that we're talking about marathons and you've already kind of heard our guest because he was laughing. (laughs) I love, um, (laughs) but, um, we are going to talk. This is, we're calling this the marathon show. AMR trains the marathon show from Berlin to London to Chicago to the twin cities and coming up around the corner, of course, is New York. Marathon season is in full swing, but if you didn't run 26 two-point miles this fall or never have, don't worry, there's always another one ahead. That is the beauty. And now is the perfect time to start putting races on your radar. Yeah. So maybe you're looking to do one next fall or maybe even this spring like I am. Maybe you've never done a marathon and you don't even know where or how to start. Maybe you feel like you've been there and done that with the popular races or you want to try something totally new and different. We've got like 31 flavors of marathons today, and I am so excited about it. We're going to cover it all with today's guest, Mike Shohasky, who, along with his wife, Katie Ho, is the founder of Race Raves, a website which is the leading race reviews community. Talk about a dream job. Mike and his wife, Katie, review races around the world, and they run in many of them. Or actually, Mike runs in many of them. Katie spectates. We'll have to talk about that. He's a multiple-time marathoner and is currently going for his six-star medal in the marathon majors. So he's done five marathon majors, has one to go. So Mike is going to give us the rundown, ha, on all of his choice marathons based on various categories that we have selected. So Mike, welcome to AMR Trains. Well, hello, Dimity, and uh, hello, Sarah. Sarah, welcome to the Post Marathon Life. Thanks for having me on, you guys. It's awesome to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you. So, Mike, before we hit the ground running, we just love those running puns around here. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how and when you started Race Raves. Like, what gave you the idea in the first place? So, my partner, Katie, and I, we created Race Raves, I guess, a little over eight years ago now. Because uh, based on our own experience, and particularly mine, as Dimity mentioned, I'm, I'm sort of the, the crazier runner of the two of us. We felt there was a big gap in the running ecosystem and that information about races was very fragmented and found in different corners of the Internet. So if you found a race that interested you, you maybe you'd first go to that race's website. Then maybe you'd Google the race name to find blog posts and race reports and to get a better sense for that race. And all of this while using sort of an Excel spreadsheet to organize the races that you had run and those that you wanted to run. And so we thought we could do better sort of putting all that in one place. And so we built Race Raves as an all-in-one resource to help runners of all levels um, find their next start line from one mile up to more than 100 miles, depending on your preference. We like to, we kind of think of it, we tell people think of it as a trip advisor for runners. And so the site sort of features a a global race database and uh, a lot of sort of user-friendly search tools to help runners easily find races. What really distinguishes race race from other sites, I think, is our we have over 25,000 finisher reviews, um, as well as our editorial content. As we publish articles like the best marathon in every state, the best half marathon in every state, and those are voted by runners across the U.S., 
It's not just me and Katie sitting in a room coming up with these, as well as the best marathons to help you qualify for Boston. Nice. Yeah, if you're looking for either your first or your next marathon, we can certainly help you find what you're looking for there. Nice, nice. Well, we'll definitely have it linked in the show notes. So um, so if you're like, wait, I need to write that down and you're in the middle of a run, it's called Race Raves and we will definitely link it in the show notes. Okay, wait, two things that I need to clear up. I think I called Katie your wife. Is partner a better term? Both work. Oh, both, both are work. correct. Okay. So, yeah. okay, okay. I wasn't sure. I'm like, oh, I thought they were married. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, I'm thinking I'm going to do that at that. Secondly, Katie is a, is a runner and definitely we talked to her about coming on this podcast, but she mm-hmm. said that she's never run a marathon. Does she have a reason for that? I'm just curious. Uh, I know some people just have different ambitions as far as the sport goes. She prefers the shorter distances. Yeah. And we've done several races where she'll run the 5K, the 10K, and I'll run the the longer distances as well. But yeah, she's sort of very happy to keep her distances in that range, I think. I love a woman who knows what she wants. That's great. That's great. <laughs> okay. So, so Mike, uh, we said you've, you're a multiple-time marathoner, but that's really kind of downplaying it. How many marathons have you run yourself? I'm close to, I don't know the exact number. I'm close to 50 now. So I'm close right to 50. There. And are you a 50 stater or are you just like 50? I mean, obviously we know you said you went internationally with some of the marathon majors. You just pick the ones you want to do. Like, tell us how you pick your marathons. I'm sort of all different flavors of crazy, I guess you might say. (laughs) Yeah, I guess I ran my first marathon in October 2010. So before that, I'd happily run half marathons for quite a while. It's sort of the normal progression, I guess. Um, and I, for my first marathon, I actually, I chose Long Beach here in Southern California in part because it was just the start line was steps from my brother's house. So I slept at his place, got up and just walked to the start line. And since then I've run, I guess I like to say from A to Z. So I've run in Antarctica. I've run in Zimbabwe. Wow. Um, as I said, close to, I guess, 50 marathons plus about a dozen ultras. I've run 35 of the 50 states, five of uh, seven continents, and as you mentioned, Dimity, five of the six world marathon majors with uh, only London to go. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. So we have to ask, which one of those is your favorite? Ooh, there are so many. I mean, it's really hard to not say Boston, <laughs> simply for mm-hmm. what it is, just, just the uh, race day atmosphere, the whole weekend atmosphere, really, and just for the prestige surrounding it. It's kind of hard to not say that. Boston is a favorite. Okay. And then there are others like, I mean, running in Antarctica is just sort of a very special thing, obviously, to have the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like a different planet there, really. Yeah. So that would be up there. And that's a very exclusive race, too. I know they, they don't just let anybody do that. Don't you have to go through some kind of selection process for that? For Antarctica? Yeah. No, that's, uh, I mean, it's open to everyone. You have, to, I mean, you have to be able to finish in a fairly strict timeline. It's not quite as generous as um, many of the American marathons simply because they don't want you out on the course too long because hypothermia kicks in. As soon as everybody crossed the finish line, basically, I think the first and second place runners ended up in the medical tent for, with hypothermia because you're just going, going, going. And as soon as you stop, your body temperature drops. Oh. Um, and so you just, you can't be out there too awfully long. Wow. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So Sarah, that, put, that, put that on your good to know list when next time you go to Antarctica. <laughs> so we're going to get into some race specifics, some fun categories. We threw a bunch of categories to Mike and Katie earlier this week, just so that it wasn't like 
you know, this isn't Jeopardy. <laughs> You'd be like best marathon for 2000, Dimity. Um, okay. So we're going to jump in kind of quick fire style and have you describe each race for a category. So Sarah, you want to kick us off? Yeah. So first up, we we're starting off with most scenic. Uh, while we love a big city marathon, they don't always offer those, you know, sweeping vistas and stunning views. So Mike, what does? So depends a little bit on the part on do you like ocean views? Do you like fall foliage? Do you like, you know, swampland, Spanish moss, that kind of thing? But I guess this may be one category where there really is like, I guess what I call a hands down winner. And that would have to be the Big Sur International Marathon. I think when you say scenic, any marathoner who's run a few sort of Big Sur, I think pops into their head. One of the things we have on race race on the side, we have sub ratings for each race, including um, scenery as one of them. And so Big Sur we have 252 reviews for the race. It gets a five out of five shoes. We use shoes rather than stars for our <laughs> five That's out of cute. five shoes for all 252 reviews for the scenery. So it's really wow. the most unanimously scenic race, I would say, in the U.S. You start among the redwoods in Big Sur Pfeiffer State Park. And then the first five miles, you're running among the redwoods. And then you reach the coast. And from there, the last 21 miles, you're running along the, the above the Pacific Ocean. There's nothing else like it. It's really a, a beautiful course there. Nice. Mm-hmm. There are several others, obviously, in the U.S. There yeah, what are, are some, what are some honorable mentions, Mike? Yeah, so there's a small race in Northern California called Avenue of the Giants where you're running entirely among the redwoods the whole time. Wow. So if you want to feel small while you run your marathon, um, that that is the place to do it. Of course, there are always the, the Hawaii races. There's a couple in Maui, and there's one in Kauai, and those are always incredibly beautiful because they're, they're, much of them is near the ocean as well. As far as like fall colors, that type of thing goes, there's one in Oregon called the Columbia Gorge Marathon, which I guess humbly builds itself as the most scenic marathon in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were just there actually, uh, Mike, our Portland retreat last weekend. The retreaters, we drove out to Hood River and they ran either the half marathon or the half marathon, really. The marathon was an option, but we strongly discouraged it just because it's a very hard course. Okay. Also, it's just, you know, running a marathon in the middle of a retreat. That's a lot of energy. It is a lot. Yeah. yeah, it was a beautiful, stunning, stunning course. Another one right near the water. I mean, I think the water is the key here. Is is there any that are like more, you know, national, because that national park series is kind of big right now. Those, I know those are half marathons, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Or are there marathons too? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point. A lot of that, yeah, those, the national parks, half marathons, most of those are from uh, vacation races. Those tend to be half marathons. Mm-hmm. There is one out on the East coast, which also bills itself as the world's most beautiful marathon which is called the Mad Marathon. It's in Vermont. And so you can oh. sort of envision hmm. the countryside, the scenery that you'll see during that race. But it's, there's a lot of hills to that one. That's a very mm-hmm. up and down marathon. So you've got to really want your scenery and uh, be willing to put in the work to get it. Right. <laughs> right. But it is absolutely beautiful as well. Got to want your leaf peeping, right? You got mm-hmm. to peep for those leaves. You awesome. Really awesome. Okay, so next up, we have best for Boston Marathon qualifying. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that this is one of your most popular searches. Is that right, Mike? It is, absolutely. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, we we do have an article up on the blog that we update regularly that lists 20 great options for Boston qualifying. Mm-hmm. And there's a spectrum of different Boston-type qualifying courses. You can either go super flat and run it that way, or you can try the downhill courses. Uh, increasing degree of downhill, depending on how you like to run. Some people prefer the downhill, some prefer a totally flat uh, sort of thing. And there are also several races that sort of cater to last minute BQ hopefuls, like that last weekend in September before registration. There are a handful that 
try to get you in right there at the end. Nice, nice. But I would say as far as the flat one goes, there are quite a few flat ones. And basically, I mean, anything you pick in the state of Florida, I think is going to be flat and maybe a little warmer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can kind of do it that way. But there are like the Coast Guard Marathon in North Carolina. It bills itself as maybe the flattest race in the country, if that's what you want. Right down the road from that is Newport News One City, which is in Newport News, Virginia. Fargo is a great race. Everybody raves about Fargo. They love that one. It starts and finishes inside the Fargo Dome. So if it's pouring rain the way it was when I ran it, that's a good retreat before and after. Yeah. And then race like California International Marathon in Sacramento. It sort Mm -hmm. of um, built itself up over time into like a real popular Boston qualifier. It gets a lot of elites. And it's a really nice course because it has just enough hills to keep your hip flexors from sort of locking up on 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 the straights. Yeah, I was about to say because a flat is a flat's rough, right? I mean, it can, I mean, I, I, it depends upon the temperament of the runner and their body, of course. But you want a little variation, right? We don't want like zero percent the whole time, <laughs> do we? Yeah, yeah, I think right. I think that's very true, and, and I think this is something too. Sarah talked about in Twin Cities is like when you're going for that long, like your hips tend to sort of. Uh, mm-hmm. get a little stiff lock up a little bit so you like that a little reprieve i think on the hills mm-hmm. nice. and that type of thing and then there are of course the downhill races them um, before you talk about those mike i have yeah. a question for you because isn't there like some courses that are too downhill or is there are there like what's the standard to be a boston qualifier like are there marathons that are not that road marathons so the standard for a boston qualifier is i think you basically just have to be a certified distance is you have okay. to be, I don't know if it's you, I don't know exactly if it's USATF certified, but it has to be certified for 26.2 mile distance. But unlike Boston and some other races where you, you can't qualify for world records because they have very strict regulations, mm-hmm. Boston qualifying races are not like that. Basically, if it's 26.2 okay. miles, you can qualify. Okay. Okay. That's good to know because I thought that some of the downhill races you couldn't, but it's probably more like you can't set a record, like you said. Exactly. Or maybe like an OTC, like Olympic trials qualifying. Yeah, yeah, that is, that yeah. Is well. yeah. I just have to interject and say downhill racing is awesome because I once ran a downhill mile and I still have like, I was on a club team and I, my friend pointed out the other day, I still have the record for downhill mile at 447. Wow. I We'll never run that fast again. It was all downhill, but I loved it. I can do it for a mile. I don't think I could do it for a whole marathon. <laughs> I know. So for a mile, it's awesome. But even like the yeah. ladies that did the second half of the half marathon, the cascade that we were talking about coming downhill. I mean, when you come downhill mile after mile, like that is a whole nother kind of hurt, right? Like you have to be ready for that, right? So, so mm-hmm. Mike, if we're going 26.2, mostly downhill, first of all, where are we going? And do you have any tips for how to prepare for that? Hey, absolutely. And that's a really good point Sarah makes too, is that downhill mile is maybe the funnest thing you'll ever run. Um, it's yeah. when you start <laughs> piling mile after mile on top of that. Usually about half marathon distance is pretty good for running downhill. After that, it gets very tough as you start to pile on the downhill miles. But there are some that are, I think we'll probably talk about some of the more extreme options later, but there are some that have a very nice gradual downhill over the 26 miles. And for example, out here, I qualified at um, the Mountains to Beach Marathon, which is out here um, in Southern California on the coast. It starts near the mountains and runs down to the beach. A similar um, marathon that's run on the same, essentially the same course is called the Ventura Marathon. Mountains to Beach is in May and Memorial Day. Ventura is in February, so a little different time of the year, but very nice downhill courses. Uh, the Mesa Marathon in Arizona is always a strong option. That one's in February, uh. so it also caters to um, people who want to get out of the, the winter, which may be cold where they live. 
And then there's also, there's an interesting series of marathons up in the Washington area, uh, Washington state, that's called the Tunnel Marathons. And there's Mm -hmm. this beautiful, I guess it's called the Iron Horse Trail. It's this really nice packed gravel trail. And it's so popular. I think there may be as many as five or six different marathons run on that course right now because it's so, the gravel is very forgiving on the joints. Um, but it's also a very nice gradual downhill, which will get you uh, your your BQ. These are mostly point-to-point courses. Or are you, you know, traveling up to like kind of a top of a, a mountainous area and, and, and running down, I imagine? Um, yeah, they, these tend to be the, the point-to-point courses. Um, the flatter ones can be a loop. Those tend to be a loop sometimes, mm-hmm. but the downhill ones are certainly point-to-point. Um, and uh, as far as starting up in the mountains, yeah, I think... We may talk about some of the more extreme downhill ones do start higher up in the mountains. So you kind of start among the thin air and then sort of run run downhill and uh, more oxygen with every step. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Well, and going back to tunnel ones, I, we definitely have, I know that we've had some um, people around AMR run that and that, it is a true tunnel, right? You have to be in the tunnel for, you are in the tunnel, I shouldn't say you have to be, you are in the tunnel for, is it a mile or two? It's, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's a, a significant miles. amount of time. Yeah, yeah. So like you have a headlight. So that's also, you know, that's a fun, if that's interesting to you, like <laughs> that's a fun way to kind of pass a couple miles in the oh, dark. Definitely. <laughs> I bet people really scream. It's probably because every time I do a race where we go through a tunnel, like just briefly, people are always like screaming and talk, you know, it's really cool. But I yeah, think that would probably totally. fun for a mile or two too. Yeah. So let's walk it back a little bit, Mike, and mm-hmm. talk about, you know, we have a lot of people who have never run a marathon who are listening. And so might be curious about first time races, like best races first for those who are marathon newbies. So this is a little different. It's a little tougher because when you're talking about like best Boston qualifier, best downhill, best scenic races, in that case, you're talking about the race itself, the qualities of the race itself. But when you talk about a best for first timers, you're talking about the person running is the first timer. So there's mm-hmm. really no common thread among the races here, but there are sort of a few things I would say. For example, as I mentioned, I sort of stuck close to home on my first one to limit surprises and changes to my routine so I could just get up. Um, walk to the start line and, and do away with any of the pre-race um, sort of logistics and getting there. And I think you also want, and, and you you can probably speak to this as well, Sarah, is you want a race where there's sort of a palpable excitement, I think, mm-hmm. to carry you through. It's like a finish line where there are other people who can share in your euphoria and you can see um, everybody else who's who's having a good day as well. And you just, you really want to feel that. As you mentioned, there's no better feeling than the euphoria of finishing your first marathon. And mm-hmm. so you really want to be able to appreciate that. You don't really want to do a small, beautiful as it may be out in the country race where there's nobody at the finish right. line. Nobody cheering you in. It reminds yeah. me, my younger sister once, once ran the Durango, Colorado <laughs> marathon. I was like, Sarah, I mean, Durango is lovely. I mean, very pretty, but yeah, not, not, you know, when you have a hundred people in the marathon, you're not going to have a whole lot of uh, whoops at the finish line right. for you. Just go. <laughs> if you were out there, your mom was out there. Come on, you can do it. You know, that's a little different <laughs> exactly. than thousands of people cheering you in. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, so that's a really good point you mentioned, but and also, when there's a marathon and a half marathon paired together, the half marathon tends to get, understandably, more the focus. That tends to be the more popular distance and where people run more of that distance. And so I might recommend that the, the marathon in those cases tends to be an afterthought. So I might recommend also finding a race that's a marathon only, which isn't as easy, but the larger marathons like Los Angeles, Marine Corps, those tend to have, those are just marathons for the most part. That's the focus of the race. And they have a lot of that same sort of excitement and enthusiasm among them. All that said, there are a few races that really sort of 
focus well on first timers. I would say something like Detroit, the Detroit Free Press Marathon. They have a first timer. They have specific green bibs for first time marathoners. So people recognize you on the course. They know to cheer you. And so it's really great for that purpose. And in Tulsa, the Route 66 Marathon, they give uh, first-time marathoners a My First Marathon medal. So it's a, an, in addition to the one you, you earn for finishing the marathon everybody earns, you also get a My First Marathon medal as well. Oh, I like those. That's very cool. I like those ideas. And then the Rock and Roll series tends to be seen as very first-timer friendly because there's a lot of energy around it. And those courses tend to be a little more manageable, a little uh, more flat, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, and then for sure. There's something like Richmond in Virginia. It's earned the title of America's Friendliest Marathon. So you can't go wrong with something like that. Exactly. Doing something right. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. Okay. So also, I mean, um, it was really nice going back to, I won't talk about the Columbia Gorge, the half marathon the whole time, but they had a walker wave and the the race that the announcer was just awesome. I mean, really, you know, um, validated them and made sure that they felt just as worthy as the people that went off in the first wave. And I just really, really thought that was great. So, so what are the best marathons if you're planning on walking it instead of running it? So for walkers, there's, um, this is actually a very good category as well. It's races with longer time limits. One thing to keep in mind is they may not offer on-course support for the duration, even though the finish line itself stays open. So you will want to check on that. Uh, but there are quite a number that uh, do right by walkers, I would say. So I guess a, a frame of reference here is that a seven-hour finish is kind of 16 minutes per mile, just to give you a okay. sense for that. But there are a couple like Honolulu, the Honolulu Marathon in December. That's kind of the uh, paradigm of the year-end marathon is, is you're in Honolulu. There's no time limit on that one. So mm-hmm. you can take as long as you need to, to cross the finish line there. And all the while, you're, of course, surrounded by Honolulu, by Hawaii. And so it's beautiful. <laughs> There's another one in South Carolina called the Too Slow for Boston. <laughs> Love that just by its name. <laughs> it, it's quick to say that it, that it promotes the aspect of mental toughness in the sport and celebrates the people who can persevere. So that's sort of it's um, what it's going for. Because, it, yeah, it, it doesn't want to come across as sort of looking down on those who cannot qualify for Boston. So people just, it gets great reviews. People really love it because it is very friendly to everybody and it has no time limit as well. I think it's, that's more of a loop course. Honolulu, I think is more point to point. This is more of a loop course, but there's no limit um, on the time. Okay. And then there's some others. Little Rock uh, has specifically a a pacer for the eight hour time group. So that's not something you'll find at every race, uh, which is, I think just over maybe 18 minutes per mile. Uh, mm-hmm. Little Rock is a great race for other uh, for other reasons, which we'll talk about. And then something like Disney, they they say seven hours, but people finish close to seven and a half, so that tends to be a very friendly course as well. And there are quite a few that have seven hour time limits as well, which is pretty generous as marathons go. Is there a trend, Mike? Um, about uh, I'm just curious about opening the course early. Like I feel like I've seen that and more and more, but maybe it's just maybe I've just been picking up on it. But are there any races that say you know you can start earlier, or is that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so and and some of the ones that like like Little Rock, I think the eight hour um, time limit. I think that's an early start. So I think you start okay. before the people. But yes, many races do allow you to do that now as well. They are getting more sort of more friendly to to everybody. Because I think races when Marathons first started in America. They were sort of catering to that really fast, you know, the Boston qualifying crowd. Um, mm-hmm. And over time, it's just it, it, it's such a it's just such a wonderful way to stay fit for so many people that um, they've sort of expanded their, um, I guess, the guidelines to allow early starts and more walker friendly type courses and things. 
Yeah. I mean, just expands the community, makes it so much more inclusive. And then, like you said, there might be a lack of uh, fuel and aid on the course if you, if you're in the back of the pack, but maybe those who start early will have, you know, the support from all the aid stations as well. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's go to our next category. Uh, you know, we all love a good racecation and even better if it's a girl's trip. No offense to, to offense to the guys. Um, so what are your best picks for a girl's getaway race? So I guess it depends on your group's interest, right? Like, do you like, are you uh, the type of like sitting on the beach more? Do you like wine tasting? Is golfing more of your thing? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this all sounds wonderful to me right now. <laughs> are you are you a golfer, Sarah? I'm not. I'm not. I mean, no. But if it means I get to go away and like you know hang out with my girlfriends, I'll do anything. I'll play golf. Okay. But yeah, okay. beach, wine, any Disney, whatever it is, I'll do I'm it. I'm with you. No, absolutely. Yeah. I would say, I guess Napa Valley, the Napa Valley Marathon. Of course, just the name gives it away. It's in the middle of uh, Northern California wine country. It's also a very beautiful, very well done event. So it's not something you go just for wine country. The event itself, it, it's a, it's a good Boston qualifier as well. I think it's a slight downhill. The course is. It's in early March, so typically a beautiful time of the year um, out there. So that's a great getaway. On the East Coast version of that may be the Wine Glass Marathon in the Finger Lakes region of uh, New York. Napa's in March. Uh, wine glass is in October in the fall. So you also do the the leaf peeping thing as well. So that's a that's a very beautiful course. I guess the jack of all trades for um, th- our discussion may be the Walt Disney World Marathon. I know you guys have talked about that a bit, but that's always a, that's always a great getaway and, because it really is a, a wonderful race and a wonderful time. Yeah. Someplace again, if you like beaches, West Coast. If you want to go as far west as we mentioned to to uh, Maui to Kauai, there are marathons there as well. Or if you want to go the other direction, somewhere like Miami. It's a really good, um, that's a really good winter race as well. That one tends to be end of January, early February. Miami is always, always a beautiful and really vibrant city um, to run through. People love that race. Nice. Going to the Hawaii one, I'm like, uh, that, that sounds awesome. And I think most families would like protest. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, um, no, you may not go without me. I had the <laughs> you same know, wine thought. Glass? Yeah, sure. You can go up to upstate New York without me, but yeah. not, not to Hawaii. Exactly. I guess it, I guess it depends on how many uh, points you've racked up. Uh, yeah, exactly. To trade in I've already that. been to Hawaii twice without my husband. So <laughs> I was like, that wouldn't fly. If I was like, I'm going to take my girlfriends. We're going to go to Kauai. He'd be like, I'm coming with you this time. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I still hear it from Katie because my first trip to Hawaii was uh, with my, my, my male friend. It was actually, it was, a, it was a work conference in my defense, but I, I still hear about that. It was actually Valentine's Day. Our first Valentine's Day together, I was with, in Hawaii with my male friend. So. <laughs> she should have come along. <laughs> exactly. It was, a, it was a quote unquote work conference. Yeah. Yeah. We know. That yeah. <laughs> That's my story and I'm sticking to it. Uh, okay. So we're on the girls trip theme. Um, what about costume races? Of course, Disney is the probably the hands down winner there. Um, but is there anything else out there, like especially in the marathon distance where people take their costumes you know, as seriously as their paces? Uh, yeah, I know that uh, the other Sarah and Molly, they recently did a much better job with this topic than I could. But uh, there are, as you've said, some great options for, uh, I guess, the uh, discerning costumologist. Um, <laughs> it would be uh, Disney, as you mentioned, is always a great one. There's some in the U.S. There are a couple in internationally as well to mention. But in, in the U.S. here, the Garmin Marathon in the Land of Oz is what it's called. 
uh, Garmin, the, the GPS company, sponsors the race in the land of Oz. So it's in Kansas. And it it sticks to the Wizard of Oz theme. And so you see a lot of those costumes. You see a lot of Dorothy's, a lot of scarecrows, a lot of front, uh, cowardly lions out on the course for that one. So that's a that's a fun one as well. That's in April, I believe. And then as far as, I guess, the real costume kings, I guess, would be something like a London. So the London Marathon, as difficult as it is to get into, every year there are scores of world records that are set there by people in costume. So if you have the goal of setting a world record for fastest marathon dressed as I don't know, like a strawberry or as your favorite video game character or something like that, like then London is is the race for you because you will not be alone. You will have a, a lot of company there. And then there's one in the um the Bordeaux region of France, a uh, wine country there. It's called the Medoc Marathon, M-E-D-O-C. And that's a very it's a wine and cheese marathon. I think there are, there's I don't know, 58 stations, you're constantly stopping to sip wine, sample the cheese, that type of thing. But there are a lot of costumes there as well. It's very much a party race and kind of the original wine country race. And so I guess those would be sort of my best picks for for costume type races. Sign me up. And also, I don't know if you guys saw this, but at London this year, there was a man who ran with a pineapple on his head. The whole way. It's the most impressive thing I've seen in a while. Just balancing the pineapple on his head for 26.2 miles. Yeah, I saw that. I thought it was part of a costume, like he had it affixed to his head. But no, he was actually balancing that. Yeah. Did it ever fall? I don't think so. No, I think it was a record. I think he set some kind of, I mean, Guinness, you know, being a, you know, a London based company, I think that that's why a lot of people go to London because it's easy to, easier to verify world records. In a past life, I worked with them and it's very hard to verify a world record. So I think it's, it's easier to like have it, you know, in their own city. Also, side note, I know a person who has a record for the fastest costumed video game character. I don't remember which character it was, but he ran some ridiculous time and it has that record. So, Wow. Wow. Did, was yeah. that in London as well? I think he did it in London. Yeah. He's a neighbor. Okay. He moved away, but he was like very accomplished in very odd ways. Like he won the <laughs> Barclays Marathon, which, oh, wow. um, yeah. And then he had this crazy video game. I wrote a story about him and I was finding all this stuff about him. He would never say it about it. He's very humble. He is very humble, I should say. But yeah, I was like, that's really cool to like, have that record. Yeah. There's nothing quite as sobering as somebody running a marathon like 30 minutes faster than you in a watermelon costume. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They don't breathe those costumes, you know. Not it's so all much. polyester. Um, well, while we're on, we're talking about London, big city marathons. You know, we they they always offer so much camaraderie and and cheering and spectators on the course. You know, we all can't get into those races; they're very hard to get into, as you mentioned. So, are there other races that have really wonderful, great spectator support? So, spectator support, yeah. So. As you mentioned, we can't all get into them, but you really, you can't beat the world marathon majors for sheer crowd size. And I guess, I guess I haven't done a very good job yet of defining the world marathon majors. For those who don't know is it's a, it's a series of six of the world's largest, most popular races, which were sort of brought together in a series. And I think 2013 to sort of promote the sport of elite running. And if you run all six, you get this really, really cool uh, six star, lavish six star medal, they call it. In this country, there's Boston, there's Chicago, and there's New York City. Um, in Europe, there's London and Berlin. And in Asia, there's Tokyo. So those are the six world marathon majors. They're very hard to get into. Um, Chicago may be the easiest. And I put that in quotes. 
but those races have the highest number. Like if you want to go all out for the spectator support, that's what you want to look at. But it doesn't always correlate with the size of the race. It's not always about having a large crowd every mile, but more really overall community support, I think. Um, so something I think of a race like Route 66 Marathon in Tulsa, again, which we mentioned earlier, which is it's really cool because they have they sort of they lock down where they put the marathon course sort of locks down a bunch, uh, several neighborhoods. And so the people can't get out for a while. So they just turn lemons into lemonade or into, uh, I guess, Bloody Marys, as if you will, um, <laughs> by setting up tables in their front lawn. Like when I ran by I ran Route 66 a few years ago. And when I ran by the Bloody Mary station at mile three, I'm thinking like some people are going to have a long day here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mile three. Yeah. Yeah. It was already, they were already, already set up and good to go then. And, and it, I, they bill it as Oklahoma's 26 mile block party. So, and it really is. And also a, another, another cute thing about Route 66 is if, if you're not feeling like an ultra marathoner, but you really just want a taste of it. They also have the world's shortest ultra marathon where you can do a little bitty detour to end up at 26.5 miles. You do a detour to what's called the uh, center of the universe. There, <laughs> and you end up running 26.5 miles. So it's the world's shortest ultra marathon. How fun. Um, I love that. I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's uh, awesome. And I guess some other options I might see uh, something like the Cowtown in Fort Worth, Texas. We like to, we love the puns as well as Sarah. So we like to call it bowl loved. Um, it has fantastic <laughs> local support. The, the, the people are out in force. They just, they love that race. Uh, some, a smaller race like Eau Claire in Wisconsin. Um, it's kind of, the, it's called the city of bridges. I think they have eight bridges on the course. So it's a beautiful race, but they also have a lot of crowd support. They have a smile mile at mile five. And then the last three miles, they all have themed miles. There's a block party at mile 24. There's the uh, college, the uh, UW Eau Claire um, what's called the blue gold mile. All the students turn out in force in mile 25 to cheer you on. And then I think the last mile, they have a musical mile. It has local musicians and that type of thing. And so that's, oh, that's really so cool. cool. They really want want to get you to the finish line in good shape there as well. Yeah. Um, and oh, just, uh, just a small commercial uh, interruption here. Eau Claire has actually been there before um, for an AMR retreat. And we're going there um, next spring um, in the, the end of April for another retreat where, so if you do want to run the marathon, you can, um, but we've the half marathon is also worthy. And I think they might have shorter distances as well, but yeah, I definitely give it up for Eau Claire. They, they've done a great job and I love it. Their race directors are two sisters that are, um, Mm -hmm. really cool women so yeah so so you'll be there during the marathon because i think marathon's first week in may oh it's, it's okay okay or late late april early may yes we're definitely there for the race good, good. <laughs> don't make I'm me check fine. my dates no, just, no, that's good. I wasn't sure that, that was the case. yeah i'm always yeah. i'm always up for a half marathon that's always a wonderful distance yeah, well. yeah, totally. Totally. yeah, totally. Yeah, so the last time we went to eau claire um my birthday is may 3rd and we celebrated my birthday there so yeah so that was fun so uh, we're going to switch the script here and talk about races we've really never heard of. You've mentioned a lot. Actually, some of them I have never heard of it. You're enlightening me, Mike. But are there some races that are super under the radar that you think deserve a little love? Yeah, there are quite a few of those. Actually, um, there are, I guess, right, right around 650 road marathons in America this year. Wow. So not to mention the trail marathons that happen. So there are a lot of marathons w that will fall below the radar of this discussion, even though they probably shouldn't. And I, if any of things sounds interesting, I would encourage um, people to sort of get on a site like Race Raves and just dig around and, and see what you can find. We also have we have a sort of a top rated filter on the site. So if you want to find races like that, you, like this, you can just uh, uh, filter by top rated and get the, the best of the best, which is based on reviews we have. So I would start, I guess, 
with this um, sort of under the radar. It's not as under the radar as some of the others, but we just mentioned the Cowtown. We have more reviews for the Cowtown than any other race on the site. I think over 900 reviews. And people wow. just love it. The people in Texas, the people who run it, they just love it. It's one of those races that sort of does everything right. It has a great theme. The urban scenery is great. The support is is can't be beat. Uh, so that I would think, I think even though it's not one of the smaller races, doesn't really get the national acclaim that it deserves. Um, at the same time, there are, like you said, the smaller races, many of which I've run. There's something, there's like a race called the Clarence DeMar Marathon in New Hampshire. So Clarence DeMar is the only seven-time winner of the Boston Marathon. And he lived for quite a while in a small town in New Hampshire called Keene. And so the town hosts this marathon in September against during fall leaf peeping season. And it's just a beautiful sort of, you can imagine the New England countryside type of race. Uh, it's really beautiful. They do everything well. They bring in great speakers, um, the the Frank Shorters and the the Bill Rogers and those types to, for their pre-race speakers. Really nice. And then there's, I guess, a race called Hatfield-McCoy Marathon, which is in, uh, it starts in Kentucky and finishes in West Virginia. So it's right on the border there. And it really takes advantage of, of the beauty of Appalachia in that area. You're sort of running, it's, it's, the scenery is very rural, uh, very rustic there. There are some small mini ponies along the course. And they do a good job with the Hatfield-McCoy <laughs> scene. They have a couple guys dressed up. Um, as, as the characters the, to meet you at the start and finish. And it's just, it, it's a lot of fun in that respect. And that it's in June, it can be a little warm, uh, it can mm-hmm. be a little hilly, but people just overall, those things sort of fade away when you when you get out there and run it because they do such a great job. It's such a wonderful race. I love it, the mini ponies. I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> Running by the mini ponies. They're adorable. They are, they are. Um, okay, all right. So we talked about downhill races, but what about the runners who are craving a big challenge, like lots of elevation? I mean, you know, sometimes you just really want to just like, I mean, climbing, climbing, climbing can be hard on your legs, but it's also kind of a different kind of challenge. So what are some races with the most hills, Mike? Hilly, if you want hilly. So it's interesting because in recent years, as I mentioned, marathons used to be like catered toward the the, the Boston crowd. And then they sort of got away from that a little more. And then in recent years, they've sort of started to come back to that. So a lot of races sort of eschew hills now. Oh, okay. uh, they tend to focus more on the fast downhills and getting mm-hmm. people to Boston. But that said, there are still some, as you mentioned, Dimini, uh, some hilly races that really will make you earn your finish line. I think chief among these is probably the, it's called the Foot Levelers Blue Ridge Marathon. It's in Roanoke, Virginia. Okay. And the interesting thing, uh, it, it has about... 7,500 feet of elevation change. So you're, wow. if you're not going up, you're going down the whole time pretty much. But the thing is, it gets a perfect out of 21 reviews on the site. It gets a perfect five out of five rating for all 21. So nobody holds it against it that, that they're out there <laughs> suffering for 26 miles. They love the scenery is beautiful. The support is beautiful. And people just really, really love that race in the in the Blue Ridge Mountains there in Appalachia as well. I, I did the 10K there, so I can vouch for some of the hills, not all of them, but it it was tough. And um, it's it is absolutely beautiful. And the you finish in the town of Roanoke, which is really sweet town and lots of fun things going on afterwards. So I will put my vote in for that as well, even though it is challenging. <laughs> 
Wow. Wow. Why do they call it the foot levelers? I think that's the sponsor, the local. Yeah, it's a sponsor. It's the name of a local running shop. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a star at the top of a one particular mountain in in Roanoke. And so you run the 10K, you just ran to the star and then you ran down. And so we only had to do like that once. I think the marathoners might have done that more than once. And yeah, I had a friend who just did it this past spring and um, her time was significantly slower and off of PR. But, you know, you, you expect that. I think with such a high elevation or elevation change. Yeah, so, I think you, yeah. I think you sort of prep for a a wonderful personal worst in the case like that. <laughs> and just enjoy it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like what about thing. the one called um, Harp Hills? That sounds pretty uh, daunting. <laughs> yeah, so that is in I think it's Nashville. It's in a local is it state municipal regional park in uh, Nashville. And it's just a very hilly. I think they do a couple they may do a couple different loops in that one. Um, they have a lot of fun with it, though. It's called the Harpeth Hills Flying Monkey Marathon. Um, oh, jeez. I don't I really know names. where he pulled the Flying Monkey theme from exactly. I know it's a Wizard of Oz reference, but I don't know why this course in particular. But, yeah, he sort of prides himself on, on making a course that um, makes people suffer through it. Uh, and it's But, again, it's very people love the course. They love the race. These hilly races tend to have a lot of really good support and a lot of infrastructure in place to, to really help you get to the, help everyone get to the finish line. And that's one of those. It's in just a beautiful local state park. So you, you can imagine state park type scenery, tree lined routes, that type of thing. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a Barkley marathon for people who want to do 26.2 on the roads. Well, not really as hard as Barkley, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's absolutely. kind of, it's very quirky, I guess is what I would call it. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, there's always there's always Colorado. There's something like the the rim, what's called the Rim Rock Run, which is in Grand Junction, Colorado. And you know, if you're in Colorado, you're probably some kind of altitude. And this one is over a mile high. I think it's over six thousand feet. And you're doing a lot of you do a lot of down at the beginning, and then you go back up, and then you do it down at the end. So it's just that constant sort of shifting of gears, which I found to be maybe harder than going up and down the hills. Is just shifting the gears after a while and just mm-hmm. continuing to do that. So that can be tough. But again, the scenery is beautiful. You're out at Colorado National Monument, which uh, is just a beautiful place. And so you can sort of lose yourself in your surroundings. Nice. Wow. Cool. Okay. So Mike, for our big finish and for Sarah and me, I also want to, because we've got, we've been thrown out so many, let's discuss your picks for the most exotic or unique race anywhere in the world. So like ultimate bucket list experience. And Sarah, I just want to know what you and me too, even though I'll never run one and maybe you'll never run one in Zimbabwe, but you know, that's interesting (laughs) to you. Let's hear it. (laughs) So Mike, what about you? What's on your list that you really want to do? So first I would say never say never. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have on, on my personal bucket list. I have uh, the Reykjavik Marathon, which is uh, the oh, capital yeah. of Iceland. Mm-hmm. So it's Reykjavik. It's in August, when most of the most of the U.S. is just steaming uh, in the heat. That's a very it's it's a little cooler up north, and it's just supposed to be a really beautiful. Uh, Reykjavik is a very beautiful town, although it's very close to an active volcano, which has d- disrupted a uh, race weekend in the past. But it's the it's also the same day the races at Reykjavik Culture Night, with it, which is a national sort of celebration of Icelandic culture, and so it's a good way to really sort of immerse yourself in, in the, the Scandinavian culture for for a little while. I would also say there's something like like the one I ran in Zimbabwe, the Victoria Falls Marathon. That was unique in that just past the halfway mark, just after I waved at Katie at the halfway mark and started, I think the second loop of the course, a elephant wandered onto the course, oh, wow. which is the uh, the largest land mammal on the planet. <laughs> and that was a little spooky. So we, I was I was a little too close to an elephant who 
seemed to think it was his, well, it was his course. I mean, <laughs> was there anybody around who could help you? <laughs> like with not, that? <laughs> not really. I looked up and the volunteers were all just staring down at me like, good luck, bub. Um, oh, no, there was wow. really nobody near. So I just stopped in my tracks. Um, of course, I had to take a picture because if you don't have a picture, it never happened. Uh, yeah. And then I sort of just slowly took off and he was none the, not, not interested. Did they warn you of, of that along the court, like that you might see something like an elephant along the course beforehand? They, they do. Typically, it's yeah. more like baboons, warthogs, that type of thing. But uh, yeah, there are the there are the warnings that you may see something like that. And here's here's what you do. And of course, you immediately forget that the minute you see one. Um, what, what, what you're supposed to be doing. So, but Victoria <laughs> yeah. Falls, it's a very beautiful race as well. You can't quite see the falls from the course because that's sort of their moneymaker. They want you to go in and to pay to see them, but you can see the spray and you can, and you run from Zimbabwe to Zambia and back again. Wow. So that's a very, that's a very interesting race. Um, there's something like the Istanbul Marathon, which is the only intercontinental marathon that there is. There are some international marathons, like we said, Detroit goes from the U.S. to Canada and back. But Istanbul is the only intercontinental marathon in that it starts in Asia and it crosses the Bosphorus Strait to finish in Europe. So that's oh, sort of an interesting cool. uh, thing as well. Wow. Have you done Do the you Great have Wall to have a of passport? China? <laughs> okay. <laughs> two, two questions. You have to have a passport, number one. And then, and then I'm all curious if you've done the Great Wall of China one. No, I've not. So that's, a, that's another one that's, that's one of the more extreme ones, certainly. I've not done the Great Wall. That is, I think... I forget how many steps of the Great Wall you, you do run on, but you do a, a significant portion of the race on the Great Wall itself and in the surrounding villages. I've not done that one. I was actually thinking of doing it when the world shut down in, in 2020. Mm. And so that, of course, skewed all our schedules. And so I haven't really revisited since then. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I know that the Instagram, well, her name is Dorothy Beal, but she's, I run this body on Instagram. She did that race quite a, maybe three or four years ago. And she had a lot of photos and it looks incredible. It really is something that looks extreme. I remember seeing pictures of her like walking up hills and elevation, I guess, in along the wall, but that looks really cool. Yeah, it makes for some really good pictures. Those pictures mm-hmm. of you coming up the steps and the, the camera's like pointing, you know, sort of facing down and you can see all the scenery below you. It's, those are some really uh, um, vivid pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many. Oh, that should have been a category. Where do you get the best pictures? This could definitely be a two-parter. Yeah, this could be a two-parter because like you've listed... St- so many. I'm trying to keep all these notes, and but I feel like we've just scratched the surface and there's so many. I think what I was going to say, Dimity, about my bucket list race, um, isn't there one in Kenya, Mike? It sounds very similar to what you described the Zimbabwe, but I thought there was one that goes through the national park in Kenya. There, There is. It's called the Big Five Marathon. So Big yes. Five, of course, being the five large game animals that were most hunted, most coveted by hunters in the day. And uh, that does go through a game reserve. And so there are sort of people watching out for you, people nearby with rifles, just to make sure, just in case anything comes near. I think that one that one has a little more of a trail aspect to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you'll be running through a little bit of sand and dirt potentially. And I know the course is not easy as well. So one of my friends was not able to finish it this past summer. Um, I think the six-hour, seven-hour time limit. But it it is beautiful, like you said, for that aspect. If you're looking for a challenge and you wanted wildlife, potential wildlife gazing. Yeah, to spot an elephant on the run. I mean, can you even imagine? I get excited when I see deer out here. So <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine how I would react if I saw an elephant. <laughs> it's kind of a fine line. Deer are not as intimidating. Yeah. yeah. And so, Dimity, what's on your bucket list? 
honestly, the Antarctica one sounds awesome. Just, I mean, again, in my dream world, just because I would love to see that. Um, I would love to go up there. I like cold races. I would rather be cold than hot a thousand times over. So that one, or like maybe one up in like Vancouver, like, or like Northern Canada or something like that. Or uh, I've always wanted to go to Nova Scotia. Is there a marathon in Nova Scotia, Mike? There is. I don't, I don't know much about it, except I recall it being very beautiful. There is one up there. Okay, that's my race. That's my race. <laughs> well, if you want northern Canada and you want memorable, there's also um, on the west coast of Canada, Manitoba, there's one called the Polar Bear Marathon. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Polar it's the polar bear <laughs> capital of the world, apparently, right mm-hmm. there. So you run, usually it's very cold. Usually you're bundled up and maybe snowing, but they have, they have a, um, a vehicle that rides, I think, for every two runners, there's a vehicle that rides with them because there are polar bears on the course. And mm-hmm. you don't want to meet one of them. Uh, so oh, you definitely don't. Wow. That sounds pretty dangerous. Wow. Wow. But, but fun, <laughs> fun in that, you know, doesn't have to be fun to be fun way. That's awesome. Right. Extreme. It definitely is fun in an extreme way. Yeah. Well, um, I guess we, we can talk to you forever, Mike, but, um, we do need to move along, but if you have, so selfishly, I'm going to ask you a quick question. I mentioned that I'm thinking about doing a spring marathon, um, just off the top of your head, one that isn't sold out and I don't have to, you know, have a qualification or anything for it. Cause I think I've passed the windows. What would you recommend? So spring marathon. So, oh, so many options, so many options. It depends on where you, you of course, if you like small, if you like large, she wants, so I'll tell her what she wants. I, she wants fast, okay. with great crowd support. That's what the notes say here. Fast with great crowd support. Great crowd support. Um, let's see. Well, there's, as I mentioned, like Napa in the spring is a really good, I don't know. I don't know about the crowds on that one as much, but that's a great uh, mm-hmm. race. Just like I said, slight downhill, really good weather. Los Angeles is not as fast. There's a, the, the first half tends to be a little hillier. Uh, the second half evens out, but there's, pretty good crowd support there as well flying pig if you know Mm -hmm. that's if we're talking spring goes into early may then flying pig um again that one's not flat but it's it's hilly but the the crowd support is awesome they really embrace that pig thing the city really does (laughs) nothing but good things about that race Uh, fargo as i mentioned is perfectly flat the weather's a little more variable it's in the first first uh i think the middle of may maybe mm-hmm. uh, but that's a, that's as about as flat as it gets as well you go into minnesota and come back to to north dakota to finish oh um, fun well my sister reminded me the other day she's like all of your best races have been in the midwest because i've had some good triathlons as well in um mm-hmm. milwaukee and omaha and then i just had the best time in minnesota and, and minneapolis so i am liking your list of the flying pig and fargo but Napa is probably the <laughs> the one I can sell people on the most if I want to have some friends come along with me. And if you want a faster one, as I mentioned, we do have the, the article on the BQs. I'm not pulling them all up in my head right now, but that's probably a, a better list to reference because it's, it's sort of organized by season. So you can mm-hmm. find one that's uh, probably a little a little less hilly if that's your your goal. Yeah. Well, thank you for those tips. Nice, nice. All right. So before we end, Mike, we got to know what's your next race. Do you have a, a race, uh, another marathon in 2022 before we turn the calendar? So I don't. So th- this year has been a, a, a bit of a personal frustration for me because I've been sort of nursing a lower leg injury for most of the year. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm through that. I'm past that. So I'm now I'm just trying to get back to, to, to where I was, get my stamina back. But right now, 
my target is London in April of 2023. So that is what I'm shooting for. That's what I want to get back to doing. That will be my sixth star, my sixth world marathon major. And then from that sort of continue on to the rest of the states and the the, the continents, hopefully. Wow. Awesome. That is awesome. And you're, there aren't that many of you out there who have six stars. I know it's growing, but you are still a very uh, small number, isn't it? It's as you said, it is growing. It started out small. It is it is growing because it is such a it is such a fantastic goal for so many people. It's a great way to to visit places you may not otherwise visit, and just it, it's just a really it's a really good feeling and a good community around around the six star medal. Mike, thank you so much. We're wishing you the best of luck. Hopefully, that injury is and you know behind you now and rooting you on to London. And thank you for everything you do with race raves. It's just I know that I've have friends who tap into your website all the time and are always quoting from the Boston qualifier uh, list that you have. (laughs) So I'm very familiar with that. And you just do such a great service for runners of all levels, not just Boston qualifier hopefuls, but people who are going to, you know, start their marathon journey or hope to start their marathon journey. So yeah, thanks to you and Katie for having this wonderful service for the running community. Well, I I appreciate that. And uh, thanks so much for having me. And if I can just say quickly, a significant part of our vision sort of in creating race phrase was to build a community of like-minded athletes who could support and learn from each other based on a shared passion. And, and really few communities in this sport or any other really do as good a job as, as you guys do and the positive energy, the breadth of expertise, and really, I guess the supportive infrastructure that you guys have built with another mother runner. So thank you for being both aspirational and I guess, inspirational to folks like us. And um, just, Keep doing what you're doing because you're doing a terrific job. Well, thanks, Mike. That's very, very nice of you to say. I it, That means a lot coming from I've known you guys for a long time. I always love talking to you. And um, As do we. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's great. Well, good. Well, good luck in London. I hope that uh, Katie has a couple races on her schedule as well. And we will see you around the races. Fantastic. Thank you both. All right. Bye, Mike. 